Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my friend, brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Welcome to another edition. <laughs> of? Of, uh, whatever, you know, Bruce Strong. Yeah. yeah. That's where we are. We're at Bruce Strong. Once again, same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> that was a Batman reference. Yes. I think it's pronounced Batman. It's French. <laughs> No, you I, think I, I the think dude that right. climbs up the side of buildings. He's mm-hmm. Spider-Mon. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. You see how the show goes <laughs> without me? <laughs> every three weeks, there's a weird episode. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how yeah, it's every, every third one. Every third show, yeah. <laughs> funny how that works. Yeah, I'm sitting here spacing out, watching JP work his tea bag. You're drawing lines on a paper that lines has lines already. Yes. Normal ruled lined notebook paper isn't good enough for Jamil. He has to make his own. I'm done. I'm done. Are you? Yes. Let's let uh, Six and a half let's years, let Warren, Chris, yeah. and I and John do this. Okay. Go yeah. take a nap. Go eat some more pizza, Tubby. Yeah. That'd be really good. You're yeah. writing Blickman's name over and over again. Yes. So I remember to talk Jamil about Blickman. our fine sponsor. Yes. Jamil Blickman. <laughs> and I put a big heart around John it. John Zanishev. Which sounds better? Jamel Blickman. <laughs> I do love me and my John Blickman. Uh, tell us about him. <laughs> He's a wonderful man with, with uh, beautiful blue eyes. No, um... He's got a fine engineering mind, and I'll tell you, that's what he's brought to bear on the problem of uh, homebrewing. Or, the problem uh, of homebrewing. It's a problem. Well, the, pro- <laughs> the problems that you Needs might have stopped. homebrewing. Yeah. You ever been in a club night at NHC? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh. Ouch. It's a problem, trust the me. The gauntlet no, no. was thrown. <laughs> no, uh, no he's, um, he's constantly thinking about, and, and, and go, go, if, you get, if you're lucky to, to be one of the few to get into the uh, Homebrewers Conference in Seattle, go by there, check out the Blickman Engineering booth, and um, you'd be surprised. You know, here's a, a company and people that think about how to make your brew day, you know, better. <laughs> In many ways, you know, faster, easier, more repeatable, you know, uh, they're all about quality and uh, ensuring that 
you know, your brew day is the best it possibly can be and that you're getting value for your money. So great company and uh, great customer service. I, I see emails from the, uh, people all the time talking about raving about how, how great uh, Blickman Engineering is and what great things they did for them. Yep. So check it out. And one of the things they do for you, they pay for the show so you don't have to. So at the very least, uh, let them know that you appreciate that because, uh, you know, they don't expect anything in return. And, uh, you know, just getting a thank you is, is sometimes, uh, you know, uh, quite pleasing. So uh, check them out. BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman with two ends. Innovate your homebrew with Blickman.com. <laughs> he still hasn't used it yet. Because so right, you're it using him. it for him. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's, that's free advertising. Yeah. I gotta try. I'll send him an invoice see if he pays it. All right. So we're going to do some uh, uh, Q&A. What do we got here, JP? I'm digging through the good ones. Actually, they're all really good, but you know, some are a little more long-winded than others. Right, uh, but this is a real nice short one from Ken. He asks, uh, "Do mash temperatures influence the acridness of a porter or stout in the same way that high brewing temperatures influence tea and coffee? How are tannins and other flavor tainting molecules <laughs> affected by mash temperature? If there is a different, if the, excuse me, if there is a significant effect, does the step mashing have benefits beyond increasing brew yields?" Hmm. Thanks. Interesting. Um, so how are you pulling those tannins out is, I guess, what he's asking, uh, if it's uh, related temperature or not. The, well, the books talk about temperatures above 170 being more prone to pulling those tannins out and the silicates and so on. Um, same way if you exceed a, P, a mash pH of 6, then you'll start pulling out more of the uh, tannins and so on, silicates. Um you know, with dark malts, you tend not to get up over six. Right. You know, with a lot of dark malts, um, you know, those mash mash pHs tend to be lower. But mm. still, something you can check, and also, you know, temperature wise, um, isn't the danger zone for coffee brewing like really, really high, like basically yeah. two twelve? Because I think for yeah, French like presses, boiling. you uh-huh. boil the water and then you just like wait like thirty seconds and um, then it's ready to go I in, think right? It's lower. You want it one ninety five is yeah. the Starbucks method. Oh, okay. Um, because it, you get around two hundred and yeah, it's the hot water will pull more out. I don't know if it's necessarily tannins in coffee, but right, I yeah. think it changes it's the like, oil somehow. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But in tea, but it's still pretty high. Yeah, well, like, and, and especially in teas, like a lot of a lot of people make real tanniny tea, and they think that's what tea is because they put boiling water over a tea bag. And so, what temperature are you dangling not, your bag in? Uh, well, this, I don't know. I just put it in the microwave for a minute and 40 seconds, uh, just the water, and then put the tea bag in. Mm-hmm. Look, I normally like loose-leaf teas, but this is all Kate has, so I'm stealing her English tea. Um, but like green teas, 150, dude, 160. If you go any higher than that, you're getting tannins, and it's it's, it's nasty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you have a nice oolong, mm-hmm. you know, 160, and have a nice mm-hmm. pu'ur, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're talking like 170, maybe 180. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it just depends. Mm-hmm. Here we are, tea time. I wish I could bring that across this, this yeah. board right now. JP using uh, Kate's tea bag. Tea, tea, right. tea, yeah, tea strong on the Brewing Network. I'll put it back. Well, I appreciate the tea info. I've always wondered about that. John, you and I will talk off air about it. Okay. I got a good source. Um, along the same lines of the uh, the acrid uh, nonsense, Spider Wrangler in the chat says, Brees malting makes a midnight wheat malt. Midnight wheat. Uh, that They mark it as a bitterless black malt. And a replacement for other debittered malts, saying it's the smoothest source of black color. Has anyone used this? Would it be cleaner, quote unquote, just uh, due to the wheat not having any husks? Or what makes it so smooth um, that they're saying it's the absolute smoothest way of uh, adding color? 
I gotta say it like that. Mm-hmm. For the midnight special. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's the, because I it's wheat, to... I mean, there's no husk. Right. So it's like... like you uh, could de-husk other grains, and right. you know, that's how they do uh, the craft Two. special. Yeah. But you don't know. I haven't tried it. Yeah, those those different. I I haven't tried the midnight wheat, but I have uh, tried uh, uh, chocolate rye, and mm. it does give you a different character. I mean, the different different kinds of grain roasted to that color do give you different, d- distinctly well, different kinds of character. Mm. And you know, I think you know far more important is you know how the the grain was, how that color was developed because. You know, we're experimenting around with different kinds of chocolate malts and things like that. And um, like the Thomas Fawcett chocolate malt, it's a little bit lower color. But boy, you know, you get a a much more chocolatey character out of it. You don't get quite as harsh and acrid uh, character out of it. But you switch to something that's, you know, just a, a little bit darker and it's a whole lot more acrid. And, you know, I think it's how quick a temperature how high a temperature they reach you know i i don't know malting that well and you know but what i imagine in my idiocy is that um they are you know if if they do a really high temperature for a short period of time that gives you one kind of character versus a lower temperature for a longer period of time gives you a different character and i think that you know that is part of you know whether something is smoother or you know less so and uh, again i I don't really know i'm just guessing that that's where that difference comes and that's where the skill of the maltster plays a big you know moisture content you know all that stuff's going to play a big role all right um here's another water question we've had a lot of water ones saved up it sounds like uh this is from uh, i don't know olivier i'll just say that um hi john and jamil I have a quick question regarding adjusting water after treating with Canvin tablets to remove chloramine and chlorines. Do you know if these tablets remove all of the chlorine from the water? If so, should I then just readjust my water to account for this? My current water here in San Francisco has about 10 ppm of chloride. Also, since candum contains sulfur dioxide, does that also throw off my original water sulfate content, originally 18? I have noticed improvement in my beer after using the tablets, and since I'm an urban brewer... It is the simplest and most economical way for me to get rid of the chloramines and potential subsequent phenolic off flavors. But am I just complicating things instead? Thanks for all the great work you guys are doing. Cheers. Cheers. Well, let's move on. No, um, <laughs> great question. And the answer to it is that he is confusing different ions. Um, chlorine and chloride are different. Uh, the Camden tablets do remove chlorine and chloramine. Uh, they do not affect the chloride that's in the water, and uh, the sulfite in the chlor- in the chloramine tablets. Sorry, the chloride in the Camden tablets. Uh, I think it did it again. Sulfite in the Camden tablets. Jimmy, why don't you help me here? Um, the sulfite in the Camden tablets uh, does not affect the sulfate in the water. Um, although, when you do crush up a Camden tablet and put it in your uh, your brew water um, into reconvert the chlora, uh, the chlorine, um, and drop it out. You do generate a couple ppm of uh, of chloride, and you generate a couple ppm of sulfate uh, in that chemical reaction. But it's like a uh, four ppm, five ppm difference, which is insignificant um, to the overall flavor character of the, of the water. Um, it it really is insignificant. So, 
Uh, yeah, you do not need to take your Canon tablet additions into account in your uh, water report chemistry. Make sense, everyone? Makes sense to me. Okay. Was that the question? All right. I'm good with that. <laughs> you will just sit this one out, buddy. It's all right. We'll get it. We'll handle uh, it. We got to handle it's all right. it. That's right. right. I was supposed to ask Chris. I forgot. <laughs> hey, John, uh, you know, I'm available to write the uh, foreword for your water book. I just want you to know that. Oh. My, I'll, give you a, I'll give you the friend discount on the fee, too. <laughs> I drink cool. water by yeah. JP. <laughs> Uh, this is from Mickey Fig. He says, I was going through the podcast archives and ran across your yeast episode. Excuse me, yeast starter episodes. I always make a starter and use a stir plate. I also always cap the flask with, an, with aluminum foil. However, while listening to the podcast, something occurred to me. What if I use a typical three-piece airlock but added no water to it? Would that allow enough oxygen exchange and still keep out the airborne contaminants? Cheers. Yeah, it's probably fine. Um, I I think you you might do better with the aluminum, but um, yeah, that's fine. I don't know. That seems don't. that almost seems better than aluminum foil, just because it has the other the secondary cap on top of it to yeah maybe even do a little bit better job of keeping uh, fruit, fruit flies out or something. Yeah, the problem is, um, um, you know, I don't like the first off you need to sanitize a bunch of mm-hmm. different pieces, and then also the stopper where it goes in. You get that lip there, then when you lift the stopper out, you know, the crap falls in. That's why I like the foil. Does um, the inner part of the three-piece sit down on the tube inside there? or uh-huh. yeah, that does. would seal that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Would it be able to suck oxygen past that? Uh, no, there's, right. there's little holes yeah. on, this, on the bottom well, right, side Well, right, but if that. it seals at the top. At the top, yeah. yeah. I mean, you probably wouldn't get as much exchange, I think. But, uh, yeah, it would probably be okay. I, I, again, I'd, I'd just use the foil. You know, it's cheap, it's effective, it works. Yeah. That's what I do. All right. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll get to more of your questions after this. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weld thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The auto sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. 
Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. A heretic is anyone who does not conform to an established attitude, doctrine, or principle. If you love craft beer, you're already a heretic. The very first thing we did when we started looking at the beers that we would brew, we got rid of all those recipes. We started from scratch. We've been pilot brewing the most creative things that we think of and the most interesting things. We've completely gone away from style. Heretic Brewing Company is opening this spring in Pittsburgh, California, and you can be a part of it. Visit hereticbrewing.com and facebook.com slash hereticbrew. Get the latest updates on the brewery and upcoming beers. Show everyone how you celebrate great beer as a heretic. It's a fairly powerful word. Being a heretic, that means you're not settling for ordinary beer. You are going with flavorful, creative, bold, interesting beers. A heretic is looking for the best beers out there. Be a heretic. Don't drink ordinary beer. Have you ever dreamed about attending the World Brewing Academy? This year, thanks to Lalamond and Danstar, one lucky brewer will make that dream a reality for free. Lalamond and Danstar invite you to enter the Beer School 2012 contest. One lucky grand prize winner will receive fully paid tuition in the 2012 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth more than $3,000. From now until April 12, 2012, every Danstar yeast package you use is your ticket to enter. Visit DanStarYeast.com for the details and to print your official entry form. There's no limit on the number of times you can enter, so get brewing with Danstar and get your entries in to the Danstar 2012 Beer School Contest. Whether you want to build your home brewing skills or build a career as a professional brewer, this course will change the way you think of beer and brewing. Enter at DanStarYeast.com and get the dry yeast advantage with Danstar and Lalamond Premium Brewing Yeast and enter to win. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, More Beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. A little more Q&A. That's your... I know, I'm fading out. Sign to uh, ask your question. I'm fading the thing out. This is about mouthfeel. Did I just say that? Mouthfeel. Uh, it's from Ken Kins. 
Hey guys, I've only been brewing for a few months and have done about seven different extract kits. Three of which were dark beers. Two porters uh, from Northern Brewers Bourbon Barreled Porter and Northern Brewers St. Paul Porter. And a black Prinz Stout from another uh, homebrew shop. I've not been impressed with them. All three had very light mouthfeel. How do I get that nice thick flavor from an extract recipe? I've thought about getting two kits and just making one batch with both. Is this thick mouthfeel something that I can only get from all grain brewing? Are there any tips you can give me to get the flavor and mouthfeel of a great porter or stout? For example, Founders Porter. Thanks, well, and Brew Strong. I, th- I think that the kits, especially the Northern Brewer kits, I think that those would not be suspect. I think that the, definitely not the kits. Yeah. The possible areas to look at, one, are is if you're doing a concentrated boil, that can actually reduce the the body and mouthfeel um, later on after adding back water, you know, that especially a highly concentrated oil. And then uh, also you have to be very careful because, you know, those kits I think are designed to make five gallons of wort. And if you aren't measuring your water very carefully, you end up with five and a half gallons, you know, because you're adding five gallons of water on top of the extra, you know, you're, you'll, you're, you know, 10% thinner right there. So, um, you know, that, that could be one issue as well. How about you, John? Yeah, I'm thinking of that. Um, he could, I mean, if if he just doesn't like the way the, the kit turns out, mm-hmm. um, he could also add uh, some maltodextrin powder to the kit. Yeah. And that would that would increase the mouthfeel a bit. He doesn't necessarily have to go to all grain brewing. That's I guess that's one you know point right. to make. Um, you can make... You know, um, beers with good mouthfeel from extract. Those kits are good, um, but w- so maybe also fermentation might be an issue as well. Sand yeah, things. you know, if he if he is perhaps getting some wild yeast going in there, that that can really thin out the the body of a beer quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you may not you may not notice. I mean, you're thinking, okay, my beers are pouring with good carbonation, but then if you notice that the head retention is not there. Uh, large bubbles are kind of like soda. Then uh, you know certainly um, a gut, you know, like a gusher infection mm-hmm. uh, will leave a very thin body. Um, but that's probably not the case. He's probably just saying, you know, why isn't it as thick as a commercial stout? And mm-hmm. and um, those, you know, depending on the recipe, if you use a lot of roast barley or a lot of uh, you know unmalted barley in a stout. You know, they do build up a lot of beta glucans and and uh, a lot of body that way that you don't get in or you may not get in any any one particular extract you know kit depending on how they brew their work. Right. So there's a, a few good uh, ideas to, to check out there. I mean, a lot, you, know, you can your volume, your concentrated oil. Yeah, I mean, you can eliminate a lot of your your guesses by if he's hitting the numbers the recommended numbers and you, you can look at a lot of these right. like founders might publish what their final gravities are and if, or if they don't mm-hmm. you can just buy a founders porter decarbonate it and measure the final gravity of it and if it's similar to what your final gravity is mm-hmm. and it, you still think that your body's lacking compared to it i would guess that something like uh uh, just the character of the roast can change the perception of the mouthfeel, not the actual mm-hmm. mouthfeel. Not that the, the actual thickness might not be changing, or the beta glucans, like John was saying, add some beta glucans with uh, something like oatmeal. Do a mini mash with some oatmeal or something like that. To yeah, I don't know. I I would 
you know, before I went and, uh, you know, started making a lot of changes to the, you know, the kit um, process and what, you know, especially Northern Brewers putting out, because they put a lot of effort into making sure that the kits, at least the ones that they worked with me on, they want to make sure it's, you know, right in there exactly, you know, how it's intended. And um, so they put a lot of effort into that. So I'd be kind of surprised if the kit didn't make something, you know, very similar to the beer. Um, so, you know, I'd look into more process and things like that. But, yeah, if you want even more, um, but my opinion would be, you know, go for the root of the problem first and figure out why. And then if that's not – if there if those other is- issues don't exist and it's just that it's not, you know, as thick as you imagine it should be, then you can do all these other things. And then you can start changing it, which is the beauty of homebrewing. But you should figure out why first. If you weren't this, your chance to say, that's right. <laughs> that was the perfect answer. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. See? All right. You're moving up in the company, man. <laughs> Promotion. Don't, don't oversell it, though. Come on. That was all right. Don't get too excited. All right. All right. Here's a good one about, um, I don't know what it's about, but it's from Neil in Arlington. It says, uh, Jay-Z and John, I've heard several times on the BN that keeping a mash efficiency around 65 or 70% results in a richer, rounder wart uh, than trying to achieve maximum mash efficiency. This makes perfect sense. Thank you. It also makes sense, in principle, that you would achieve this by increasing the amount of grain while keeping the batch size consistent. However, I can't figure out how you actually do this in execution without, without throwing off other target variables within your process. For example, my mash ton, a cylindrical igloo cooler with a false bottom, uh, typically generates an 80 to 82% efficiency, and to get a 6-gallon batch, my pre-boil volume needs to be 7.75 gallons. If I increase the grain bill, I end up overshooting my desired pre-boil gravity because my system's mash efficiency is what it is. I'm guessing that you could take less runnings and dilute them with water. However, how do you know when to stop the runnings and how much water to add in order to hit your pre-boil gravity at your pre-boil volume? Please clarify how you hold down your efficiency while still maintaining the ability to hit your predicted pre-boil numbers. Thank you. <laughs> I think adding water would probably be your, your if you really want it. Because I think right. the, the, the idea would be similar to a, doing a first runnings only beer, yeah, like a mild or something where you do just first runnings. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, so you'd, you have to add water at that point. Right. Because otherwise you'd be making a, an imperial stout or something. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the point was not, oh, you're going to make better beer by having a lower efficiency. It's if you are if you have an efficiency in those lower ranges, don't freak out about it. Don't struggle to hit 95%, yeah. you know, and ruin your beer. You know, having efficiency around seventy percent—that's that's perfectly fine. Not a, not a big deal. You're going to make good beer that way. You know, mm-hmm. struggling to get higher efficiency can make worse beer. Was the the point of what we've been saying over the years? Yeah, um, overlaudering and so on. Yeah, uh, you know, you're 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 struggling for the wrong reasons at that point. You know, focus your money and your efforts into you know better fermentation things like that, and then you're going to make better beer, not by increasing efficiency. Um. But like Chris is saying, um, you know, the easiest way is to just you know take first runnings and dilute it down, and actually you'll get you know the best malt character I think through doing that than um, otherwise. And you know it's on your you know adding more grain and all that. 
you're not going to get the same efficiency if you don't run all the way through and sparge and rinse, you know. Um, so there is a point where you can just sparge a certain amount and you should end up with the right, uh, you know, starting gravity and volume. You just need to calculate it out, so... He already did. He has 82% efficiency. So. Right, but you're not going to get that. if he, The only way he's getting 82% is by rinsing the grains with sure. water, yeah. right? Yeah. So don't rinse as much. And, you know, you get, uh, you know, lower efficiency. You know. Yeah. Well, can't you just take out 10% of your wort when collected in the kettle mm-hmm. and then add, top it off with water and take a reading? Right. And then you can, and then you can use those numbers and figure out what. Well, your we've been saying is. that, but I mean, if you wanted to actually, you know, sparge more, you know, you could, you know, sparge to a certain extent. You just don't sparge or, as far. But I think you should just leave your efficiency at eighty-two percent if all your processes are good and you're getting eighty-two percent. Right. But it's not eighty. Fine. It's not eighty-two percent until you sparge it. Right, but I, I'm so, saying yeah, just I mean, sparge. Right. right. So just. Like you're saying, just what, sparge like a normal brewer. <laughs> you're saying, what's wrong with eighty two percent? Yeah, yeah. What is wrong with eighty two percent? Right, and not, nothing's wrong with that. Right, that, but that was the point of what we were talking about earlier about people, you know, struggling to get higher efficiencies. It's like a dick measuring contest. You know, <laughs> it's like not going to do you a whole lot of good. You know, you're right. not actually doing better. You're just um, trying to accomplish a number for a number's sake. Yeah, you know, go with what makes better beer. It's the homebrew equivalent of putting nuts on your truck. <laughs> yes, yeah. big dangly ones in the back. Um, okay, well, I hope that I like them from the mirror. But you know, I guess the answer is don't worry about it. Right. Don't get lower efficiency. Right. You're fine. And if you do, then just run some out. You know, make a nice experiment is you know do some first running beers and you know dial it to whatever you want with just water, adding water. Yeah. And ferment that and see how that tastes different than if you were to make the same gravity beer with less grain and sparging it. This one is about a uh, creating a false bottom for his mash tun. He says, uh, hello, Jamil, John, and JP. I've listened to the metal show and how they affect uh, beer and heard that aluminum is nothing to worry about as long as it's handled correctly and it's not nice and shiny. I am in the ending stages of getting all my grain system finished. Uh, excuse me, my all-grain system finish. I have a nice sheet of clean aluminum that I brought that I bought at a Home Depot several years ago, and I'm wanting to make a false bottom out of that sheet. I do not know if this is a good idea because I'm using a 15-gallon Sankey keg for a mash louder ton. Is the stainless and the aluminum and the pH of the mash going to cause issues? I'm thinking battery. Any info you have on the subject will be great. Thanks, Bruce Strong and JP can suck it. <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, the aluminum and stainless uh, will create a battery in the uh, in the mash. Um, is it going to be a problem? Well, the the shinier shinier the aluminum is, the more uh, the more reaction will take place. The more aluminum will go into the into the into the wort, um, and the lower the pH. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really don't think you're going to have a significant uh, metallic flavor coming off that. Um, but uh, I suppose there is a possibility of it. You know, the the uh, the amount of aluminum um, compared to the steel is is uh, more comparable. So 
Uh, there's not going to be a, a large corrosion effect except at the very edges where the aluminum contacts the stainless, you know, around the rim. Um, I guess one one consideration I would have him think about is, you know, the strength of that false bottom, uh, you know, being made of aluminum versus one being made of stainless steel. Um, you know, there is pro- there may be a risk of having that uh, false bottom, you know, collapse or, you know, or bend. Um, he may need to add some support legs to it. Um, yeah, try it. Um, or, you know, and if, and if he doesn't like the way, the way it seems to perform, then, uh, buy one of the stainless steel ones because those are readily available. All right. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll have more for your questions after this. What does craft beer mean to you? Is it a delicious way to support your town's local brewer? Or perhaps it's the perfect beverage to pair with those delicious devils on horseback. Regardless of whether you're thinking of pints or pairings, pilsners or porters, craftbeer.com is the site where craft beer lovers come together to learn and share. Craftbeer.com is brought to you by the Brewers Association and celebrates the best of American craft beer and its brewers. Craftbeer.com is the best place to find craft beer events, recipes, great features stories, the most up-to-date brewery listings, and resources for your next beer tasting or dinner, like style guidelines, pairing mats, and charts. Get the inside scoop on new beer releases and special events from today's craft beer insiders, and chime in to share your own knowledge, perfect pairings, road trips, recipes, and more. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. BN Army, Hop Tech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. Hop Tech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of holy pops. And Hop Tech not only carries Y yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus 04, 5, 6, 23, 33, and T58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's Nottingham and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeve shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount, and active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com. Hi, this is John from Grain and Grape. We've been supplying brewers in Australia for 21 years, and for all that time, we've been working to offer the best service around. 
including free fortnightly all-grain brewing demos, 90 varieties of malted grain from Belgium, Germany, the US, Britain and Australia, equipment from Browmeisters, Kegerators and Crown Urns to the humble brew-in-a-bag bag, heaps of hops, Y-yeast liquid and fermenters and Danstar dried yeast cultures, fresh work kits made at Mountain Goat Brewery and on the 200-litre Browmeister right here in the warehouse. We also sponsor and support brewing clubs and comps, the Australian National Home Brewing Conference, Aussie Home Brewer Forum and heaps more. Mostly, though, 100 years of brewing experience means that we can give you the best advice on your next recipe, your new system, or that brewing problem that needs a solution. Mention the Brewing Network next time you order online or by phone for freight free on your next order. Check out grainandgrape.com.au for conditions. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're technical. (laughs) Or we're testicle. Speaking of testicles, uh, (laughs) fellas... King yeah. of the Segway, everybody. Are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? If fantasizing about surprising your love with an adventurous new toy or adult movie, surprise! Here's an offer you'll be able to resist. <laughs> yeah, please don't really surprise her, okay? Oh, please do. Tell her first. No. It depends on Just the size of the toy. Spring from she, the closet, carrying two of them like uh, a. <laughs> like, you put like, the whipped cream in the freezer first, like, like the some erotic strangler. ninja. <laughs> I'm going to be your erotic ninja, baby. Uh, that's redundant. All ninjas are erotic. <laughs> oh, in order to, to take part in this uh, joyous fun, go to adamandeve.com. And for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll three, also receive three free adult DVDs. And you actually, you know, Chris had this question. Do I get to choose the DVDs? You do. Not not from every single of the DVD they have, but quite a large selection. So if you're into ninja porn, I bet you they got a DVD there for you. So you get three free adult DVDs of your choosing. I would love ninja porn. Uh, and for a little inspiration, I used to have a friend who was just totally into midget porn. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's little, 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 little Is that person. way you used little to have person, a friend? Person. A friend. Yeah. yeah, a friend. <laughs> I, I eventually, yeah. Yeah. I I eventually this married my friend. Yeah. See, Warren would be I thought good he was going to say he, was, he had a buddy that was in a ninja porn. I, uh, that would have been awesome. No, it was it was ninja porn. I mean, he was just so into it. I to remember it to this day, fondly. 
Fondling? <laughs> free extra gifts, essential gifts on the air. And to top it off, they'll throw in free shipping on your entire order. So, adamandeve.com. Use the special offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L. You're going to get 50% off of one item. And then they'll throw in the three DVDs. They'll throw in an extra gift. They'll throw in free shipping. Just use that offer code J-A-M-I-L. It's a really good deal. Uh, check them out. AdamandEve.com today. Is that, is that a secret thing uh, about your friend John Palmer? Is that he was your friend? <laughs> oh. That was in the ninja porn? <laughs> your air quote friend? I was going to say that for later. What you don't know about my friend John Palmer? <laughs> Oh, well, they're they're a little person. Not, he, has, not midgets, he has Bridget the Midget's uh, first on-screen performance. <laughs> oh, it's in her name, I can say. I that. don't even understand how you came to they're know this about your Smurfs. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, I don't know. Just like to talk. One of those Midwest guys, you know. <laughs> Real oh. creeps. Not my friend John, not my friend John Blickman. No, oh, no. right. The Midwest guys. Yeah. Oh. I've met one or two people from the Midwest. Right. Now he was totally into it. Northern Florida. We're talking about it nonstop. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, right. I think in midget porn, you can be totally into it, but not really be totally in. You know, it doesn't take right. that and much. You're to really part be into it, right, you're only partway in and you're into it all the way, yeah. Uh, you want to do a question? Sure. Why are you, what is wrong with you? That's my <laughs> what question. the hell has gone yeah. wrong? This is from Ted in Wisconsin. He goes, what is wrong with you? me to continue listening. Uh, Jamil and John, recently I had a customer offered to weld some ferals to a keg shell for use as my new uh, mash tun. He says MLT, but I don't know what that means. Oh, mash letter tun. There you go. Uh, my question is in regard to the quality of the welding. How critical is it that there are no gaps, cracks, or crevasses? At first glance... <laughs> There's crevasses. I thought I could pass it off. I'm sorry. My bad. Uh, at first glance, the TIG welding looks great, but I noticed that they were unable to seal both inside and out. In regard to bacteria growth, I've heard people mention how the cold side is extremely critical in comparison to the pre-boiled side. Right. Obviously, the welds are solid, and my mash tun is holding a seal. Aside from cleaning the welds, is it necessary to have someone re-weld from the inside, or am I okay to brew? I have access to nitric or phosphoric acid to clean and passivate, although not technically necessary. Per the metal show, the oxygen passivates uh, clean stainless. Um, and then he sent some pictures, but... Um, you know, whatever. He goes, thanks for the fine balance of information and comedy on Bruce Strong. Oh, Bruce Strong. Uh, cheers, Chris. So, what do you think? Is it well, uh, real important in the mash tun? Not, not critically important. Um, the It would be nice if they were sealed on the inside as well so that, uh, you know, the, that he wouldn't get work trapped in the, in the crevices mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, have that, have that biological, you know, probable yeah. biological corrosion path there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can weaken the, the metal, consume mm-hmm. the, the metal. And, um, you know, also, you know, if, as long as you're cleaning it out relatively well after each, you know, rinsing it thoroughly, you're not building up a lot of funk in there that can get in, you know, and maybe right. develop some funky flavors that would be real subtle, but, you know, eh, like John's saying, you know, this would be nice if it was... You know, properly done, but on the other hand, eh, it's free, big deal. Yeah, not not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't. It would be one of the last things I would look at. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially on the pre-boil. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is from our ever-present spider wrangler in the chat, who is just a wealth of questions. Um, he goes, "I imagine that the contents might be pri- uh, proprietary, but uh, can you guys talk a little bit about the Servomyces capsules from White Labs? Uh, what makes them so much more than other yeast nutrients?" They're probably the most expensive brew ingredient per weight, 
do you see a big difference in quality of the ferment? It's yeast that have been like jammed full of uh, zinc, and then you know killed and dried. And there's a lot of zinc up. in there too. I think, yeah, so it's just a lot of zinc. Um, there, it's 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 just a Reinhardtskabut way of adding zinc to your to your beer, um, and that's really the the trick to it. And you know they say it's more bioavailable because it was already taken up by the yeast and it's in the yeast and it was you know. Um, versus, you know, just zinc salts that you might throw in. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's a good product. I've used it uh, a lot. Um, not using it currently commercially, but, um, you know, um, you know, nothing wrong with it. Uh, there's other, you know, ways to get zinc in there that I think probably just as effective. But, you know, I, if you're a purist, I think the whole, uh, you know, going servo is a good idea. Excellent. Um, <clears throat> this is from George. He says, hey, guys, I have a water question. Again, again with the water question. I guess people just want to hear from Palmer more than Jamil. Um, hey, guys, I have a water question. I've been adjusting the pH of my brewing water with phosphoric acid before mashing and sparging to a pH of 5.75 at 65 degrees. Mm-hmm. Then I normally add salts to the mash and also the kettle to get the calcium levels to about 60 ppm. My water is really soft, about 10 ppm of CA and about 3 of magnesium. Anyway, I've read on some forums that the phosphoric acid and the phosphate from the malt will precipitate the calcium ions by forming calcium phosphate. I was just wondering what percentage of calcium will be lost. I'm worried about not having enough calcium for the yeast. Fuck, and I thought I had problems, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for your help. I really appreciate all you guys do for homebrewing, um, George. Wow, it's a hell of a problem. Okay, um, get him, Palmer. What do you think? Okay, the if you add phosphoric to the water, um, you're going to end up with about one milli equivalent per liter of calcium left over, which works out to somewhere around 20 ppm uh, typically. But it, you know, that's that's. In fact, I sh- I almost shouldn't even say that because it depends on the concentrations of the you know whole the amount of acid you used and you know all these other factors. But you're you're gonna end up with some amount of residual calcium. It won't all go away, but you know. Uh, but if he's saying he's got really soft water, then why is he adding phosphoric in the first place? Unless maybe it's low hardness, high alkalinity, in which case that would be. A reason to acidify it, but um, you know, uh, and in the other case, uh, the other thing he said is he's he's acidifying his brewing water before he adds it to the mash, getting it down to five seven five, uh, and then adding his malts, adding his salts. I mean, who knows what pH he's actually getting in the mash if he's acidifying acidifying beforehand? Um, he could be completely you know, overshooting the uh, the mash pH and getting down in the fours, at which point he'll have a lot of you know conversion problems. Um, I, I really, it sounds to me like he's almost doing the whole thing backwards in terms of his you know thought processes. Um, you know, he's got to got to learn out learn you know start out with his water report, find out what his calcium levels are, what his alkalinity is. Um, look at the recipe that he's brewing. Does he need 
uh, less alkaline water? Does it need more alkaline water than for that particular recipe? And then uh, adjust, you know, give from that direction, you know, what, what am I starting with? What am I trying to brew? What adjustments do I need to make rather than adjusting first and then, you know, doing it, brewing? Um, yeah, until I know more about his recipe and so on, there's really not much more I can say at this point. Okay, fair enough. Um, here's a good uh, a good question and one that uh, I kind of think about too. This is from Big Rob in Temple City. It says, uh, hello, uh, JP, JP, and Jay-Z. I have a question for you guys, and let me start by saying the one thing I really like about the homebrewing community is that everyone likes to share ideas, concepts, and recipes. But here's something I was wondering. When is sharing recipes too much? For example, let's say I brewed Jamil's Evil Twin kit from Northern Brewer and entered that beer into competition. Uh, would I have to call it my version of Jamil's recipe? Secondly, how much would change? Or excuse me, how much change would someone have to do to an existing recipe to call it their own? And finally, when building recipes, what would I have to do to protect it from being used commercially by another brewer? Would <laughs> would that be where patents or copyrights come into play? Thanks, guys, and keep up the shenanigans. First of all, Rob, don't worry about a commercial brewer stealing your homebrew recipe. <laughs> just don't even worry about it. I mean, it's just don't. It's nothing. Yeah, don't worry about it. Well, and you know you can't really uh, patent or copyright or trademark a uh, a recipe. You can. Um, the only way you can protect it is to call it a trade secret, and that would require not telling anybody about it. So you keep right. the recipe private, and then the only people that can know about that recipe are the people that are required in order to make your business run. In order to, they have to work with that recipe. And you can share it with those people. If you share it with anybody else, then it's no longer a trade secret. And it's not. And the only reason a trade secret is protected is because, you know, it's kept secret. So, yeah. uh, and there's no protection other than that. Um, you know, once it's out there, it's out there. So that, and um, as far as, you know, recipes and saying whose recipe it is, I mean, you just you brew whatever, you know, all the recipes that I have, um, you know, they were inspired by something else or some learning that I got from somebody else. Somebody taught me something, and I used that in a recipe. Should I go back and say, well, every recipe I came up with, that's from Ray Daniels Designing Great Beers. Well, Ray Daniels Designing Great Beers is based off of <laughs> recipes from all the homebrewers who entered the homebrew competition and provided their recipes. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not like he came up with the recipes himself. They were, it's, you know, it's an analysis of recipes. Right. Yeah. And so, when you're, when you're entering a beer in a comp, you're not entering a recipe. You're right, entering, entering a, a beer. beer. Exactly. Well, and what I say so is, it doesn't matter where the recipe came from. Don't worry about it. I say it's your beer. I mean, yeah. people do that with like my oatmeal stout or, or probably much more famously, uh, Mike McDowell's, Janet's Brown. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not it's not a McDowell's Janet's Brown. It's your mm-hmm. beer. It's right. not JP's Oatmeal Stout. It's your Oatmeal Stout. Yeah. You brewed it. It might it, be my recipe, right? But the only you brewed thing it. I'd say is like if you're talking to somebody about it, you're at the conference, somebody goes, "Oh wow, this beer's great. I love this. You know, tell me about this. You know." And then you go, "Oh, I came up with this recipe. This, you know, you know." And you're you're gonna lie about it. Then you know you ought to throw a bone to wherever you got the recipe. Go, sure. Oh, you know, hey, I'll tell you what this is. This is McDowell's Janet's Brown recipe. This yeah. is uh, JP's Oatmeal Stout recipe. This is um, you know, the clone brew of uh, you know um, Shakespeare Stout from rogue yeah. these are you know 
tell them, you know, you're still going to get the credit for for the great brewing, you know, skill that you put in. But you know, throw a little bone to you know wherever you got the recipe from and say, hey, you know, um, you know, it was a, a great recipe. You know, all those rogue recipes or all those Kenya Ruets or yeah. you know, all of McDowell's recipes are fantastic. You know. The, at least do that and don't don't like say you you know don't change one grain and go well yeah i made this this recipe and i've, I've I seen people do that thing. before yeah. it's just kind of weird i guess i mean I, I mean it from from the standpoint of of being confident in your brewing absolutely you know, and and, yeah. and and not going well because I've, I've i think everyone but take pride in the brewing and don't yeah. don't worry about you know what the source of the recipe everyone's was. It really people, doesn't matter uh, who's who, it came from papazian it came from right. you know well they Ray go Daniels, they get, but they get down on themselves they go well it's not nah. really mine i you know it's not really my recipe it doesn't matter you still made the thing dude and you still Absolutely. want a medal so good right if dude. you if you brew my beer i don't necessarily need you to put my name in the name when you enter the thing but i'd love to know about it right because that's pretty awesome you know, and right, tell me right. how you did. Yeah, Whatever. you don't have to. It's your beer, man. Yeah, you don't have to mark down wherever the recipe came from or anything like that. Yeah, a lot it's of people necessary. tend to over overvalue the the recipe in general, and uh, it comes up a lot every year. At Sam Adams because mm-hmm. Sam Adams has their homebrew competition, and they pay the the homebrewer, and you know, certain yeah, five grand. Yeah, and certain homebrewers get all you know. Well, maybe I should get more. Or should I really? Oh, they're going to make over? millions off of this. Should I really like, sign oh, over my recipe idiots. for just five grand? And <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just it's, chances your are recipes not. Yeah, it's not. Chances worth, are it's man. not going to be that that great. And if it is, the commercial brewer w- will have already known how to make that style, or maybe they got inspired by your beer. Mm-hmm. That's great. But you would never you, if 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 a fellow homebrewer won on a recipe you created. And they were inspired by yours and changed, you know, a third of it. You wouldn't say, "Well, half of that metal is mine." It's just, it's all inspiration. It's all just a collective in the cloud. So don't worry about it too much. Right. All right. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll wrap up with uh, maybe one more question after this. When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. You'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price. Start brewing with Blickman from the top tier. In a world where everything has been lost. What happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. Uh, I need a drink. Oh no, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? (laughs) Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... 
Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I reckon you better stick to Arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. <gasps> oh, 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 it can't be done. Come with me if you want the beer. Some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And then From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you $7.99 Brew Saver shipping, massive selection, and superior customer service comes the Home Brewer. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeast, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's super yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right. Last question of the show. Make it a good one. Make it a short one. I can't make it a uh, good short one. Fade and read at the same time. Let's make it a midget one. Um, this is from Jim. We have just the blandest names. So this is from Jim and why don't you Ted. make up a name there? This is from Roxalacious. Okay, know, whatever. Um, hello, I've had some very exciting fermentations when I brew wheat beer. I've been using the brew in a bag technique. I get an OG of around ten sixty one. Wow, for a wheat beer. Uh, I think it's kind of high. I put in two vials of yeast as instructed in brewing classic styles. The first batch I let sit in my basement. After 24 hours, I'm getting about one bubble every second. Within the next 24 hours, it goes crazy and pops the airlock out of the bucket and sprays foam around the workshop. 
After cleaning up the mess, the beer tastes pretty good. The last batch was very similar. I did put the bucket into a wine cooler set at 62 degrees. After 24 hours, I was getting a small bubble every second. In the next 24, it foamed all over. It made a nice mess in the workshop again. Oxygenated both warts for two minutes after pitching. What am I doing wrong to cause these very lively and messy fermentations? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, it's, it's good fermentation. Yeah, uh, You know, maybe a blow-off tube, a, a bigger fermenter would be a good idea. But, uh, I mean, that's just typical of that yeast strain, right? Right. That's a and, half strain. And, you know, wheat beer, uh, worts, and, um, you know, you could use some no foam. Um, uh, Firm cap S, I believe is what it's Yeah, actually, um, that's supposed to be filtered out. Uh, at Heretic, we just started using um, uh, Patco 376 Pat, from Pat, Burko. Patco, uh, no oil based. Yeah. Uh, no foam, and um, there's there's several varieties of that of uh, uh, similar product out there, and um, uh, I might try something like that. I think uh, some of the homebrew shops have started carrying them in smaller quantities now, and you can add that directly to the uh, fermenter, and uh, it just gets uh, bound up with the yeast and, and proteins and. But I wouldn't hesitate to use the, the firm cap S at home either. Yeah, the reason why you're not supposed to use too much of those silicone-based things is um, it's just like anti-gas medicine. Um, it's got to go like through your liver, I guess. And, um, uh, you know, just like it clogs filters in the brew house, it can clog the liver, I guess, in certain quantities. So they want to keep the quantities low. Yeah. I, I, so... You've used, I think it's one drop in five gallons can be pretty effective, yeah. and that that mm-hmm. that is actually ten. I want to say it's right at the the, the right. threshold for FDA. Yeah, they say, and well, then you're going to lose some of that too. Yeah, they say you can use. Uh, you're supposed to use like one drop per gallon, and that's something like 25 ppm. Mm. Um, you know, we just need to be responsible mm-hmm. in what we're telling people. But um, you know, if if you have the oil one available to use that one instead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't hesitate to to do it personally, but um, yeah, you might check out the oil one, uh, and that should that should help. That and a larger fermenter, blow off tube, but uh, sounds like otherwise he's doing great. All right, is that it? You want to call a day? You want to find? It. You want to dig one more out? No, uh, rub one more out and dig one more out. <laughs> is that what you've been quiet this whole show? You've been building up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Another fine show there, Mr. Palmer. It was indeed. Looking forward to the indeed. next group. Indeed. Indeed, gentlemen. <laughs> well, I had a blast myself. Oh, you rub one out too? I don't know. <laughs> a blast. <laughs> you get that out of you. Saying I'm glad this isn't my normal office chair. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, and uh, if you enjoyed this show... Which uh, I'm Why sure you? you did. Yeah, no. um, you know, go check out our fine sponsors. Especially check out BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman with two ends. Uh, longtime sponsor and, and great folks there with uh, very innovative equipment. Innovating your brew day. Yeah. BlickmanEngineering.com. And uh, check out the the Brewing Network uh, site, thebrewingnetwork.com. There's uh, the store there. You can actually uh, support some of the. Uh, the sponsors of the Brewery Network. There's uh, BYO Magazine. I write for that all the time. John writes uh, every once in a while. And, um, you know, if you subscribe to BYO through the Brewery Network link, 
uh, Ring Network gets half of that back uh, of that subscription fee. So that's a, a really great way to support both the Brewery Network and Brew Your Own is a great magazine. Lots of great information in that. So check that out. Zymergy as well. They kick back some. And uh, you're supporting uh, good, uh, good homebrew uh, representation and government and uh, just a great organization. So uh, check it all out, thebrewnetwork.com. Until then, brew strong. Brew strong, everybody.